I'm always like looking for better ways and more ways to even tap into humans even more, you know, and tap into mm-hmm. myself even more. I think the more that a filmmaker or artist really can be more open and more introspective of themselves and knowing like their deepest, darkest corners within themselves, that's just going to help their art so much more. My name is West Givens and welcome back to the Tungsten Originals podcast. You just heard part of my conversation with writer and director Kevin Brooks. We discussed his fellowship at the Sundance Institute, his award-winning filmography, and his dedication to filming projects in his hometown of Memphis, Tennessee. Don't forget to check out the video version of this episode on our YouTube channel. Links to that in all of our socials is in the description of this episode. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy. Episode 62 of the Tungsten Originals Podcast. Kevin, welcome to the podcast. Hey, how you doing, man? How you doing? Doing well. How are you? Pretty good, pretty good. Happy to be here. Happy to be here. Yeah, man. Yeah, this is exciting. Um, yeah. I appreciate you taking the time to sit down with us. I I don't know if I met you directly, but the way I know about you is we both had films in the 2018 Indie Memphis Film Festival, and I was really blown away by your work, and I've kind of kept up with you since then. So it's like really, I mean, that was three years ago now, so it's really That's cool crazy, to like, right? it really is. <laughs> it doesn't feel like it. It feels like I just went there, you know what I mean? Right, exactly, yeah. Which is crazy. So yeah, it's cool. It's been cool to like watch your career and stuff, and you've really achieved some like really incredible things that I'm excited to dive into. But before we get all into all of that, I want to like go back to the beginning, how you got into all of this and like, you know, why you ended up becoming a filmmaker. So I did a lot of research on you and I read some other interviews and uh, I saw that you've been making stuff since you were like six years old, right? Yes. Yeah. It all started yeah. when I was six, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's why. So you, I guess you were six in 1993 because that's your Instagram is filming since 93, right? There you go. There you go. Gotcha. The gotcha. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm a, I'm a detective. What can I say? <laughs> oh, <gotcha>. <laughs> <laughs> so I read that you watched the matrix and you yeah. liked it because it was of course the matrix and it was like cool and sci-fi and everything, but it was also like philosophical in a sense. So like, yeah, yeah. Can you take us back to that and what that meant for you? Yeah, man. Like, it was crazy. I remember, like, it was yesterday putting in the VHS of The Matrix mm-hmm. and just, like, re-watching it and re-watching it and, like, trying to, like, uh, in my head, like, make the scenes up again. Um, like, especially, like, the bullet scene where he's, like, bending right. backwards. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I did that constantly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, like, the action scenes, like, really captured me. And it was just, mm-hmm. like, it, it was something I had never seen before in a movie visually but at the same time like i said like philosophically and just the way that it had so many levels to the storytelling Mm -hmm. like as a as a kid like i didn't know what they were trying to say with the red pillar i I didn't get that you know um but i just knew something was there and like over the years i just kept revisiting that movie and i was like wow like these filmmakers made a film where people can go to the movies enjoy popcorn watch this like leave like overly excited and like wow i can't wait to see the next one but at the same time it's like if you want to dig deep into that film there's stuff there to dig deep into and that Mm -hmm. is what i wanted to do with film i was like that is what i want to that's what i want to make something where both people who like you know both types of moviegoers can enjoy a film right 
Right. It's like a yeah. summer blockbuster, but if you want to sit down and think about it, you can do that as well. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Right. So I also read that you you weren't like serious about pursuing it until college, correct? Right. Like it was really on and off because um, like growing up, it was basketball was really like heavy in my life. Um, mm -hmm. My dad had me out there like practicing 24-7 for basketball. I was playing AAU. So that mm -hmm. was kind of like what I was doing a lot. But at the same time, like that back burner, I was always watching movies. I was always intrigued mm -hmm. by movies. And just like when I had time, like reading about movies, like I remember reading a book, um, it was, I think it was like Alfred Hitchcock I got from mm -hmm. the library. And I remember like just trying to like watch his movies again, like not diving deep into it, but just realizing like, wow, Alfred Hitchcock is like one of the greats, you know? It was right. one moment where I knew I was like, no, I don't, I don't want to pursue like basketball like that heavy, right? It was mm -hmm. movies just start taking over more that I created a movie club in high school and we will always like go and just make these like short films. We made like music videos that we put on for the whole like school. Mm -hmm. And that is when it really sparked. And I was like, yo, I like doing this. I, I love right. like, sitting there and watching people react to the things that I put on the screen. That's when like film just kind of like started rising up. Basketball started slowly like going down. And that's when I had to break it to my parents. Like, yo, I really want to go into this like film world. And, you know, at first it was like, what? <laughs> right, right. Like we put all this time and effort into you um, for basketball. But I don't know. In my heart, I was like, I'd rather just, you know, try to connect with people through vision, like visuals. Right. And, you know, because um, you can change so much through and like within a movie of what you make and what you put on the screen. You can change societies. You can change people. So that's what really intrigued me. So mm -hmm. in college, I just went at it like head on. Did you know early on that you specifically wanted to be a director? Yes, like early on, okay. I knew that was it. I would say for a little bit there, it was like, oh, maybe I could be in front of the camera. But I remember trying out for like theater and like never getting the... the, the uh, It didn't land. Yeah, right, exactly. It just didn't land. So I was like, you know what? Maybe I should just stay behind the camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you take like any kind of film classes in college you went to university of memphis right yes yeah. yeah i went through their whole uh tv and film production course okay especially like my favorite class was when we got to use like a bolex camera and i actually mm -hmm. got to shoot on film and um edit on that a lot of the kids hated it but i don't know it just gave me a lot of respect of um really being patient and really being very methodical about what you film and, mm -hmm. and what you want to put out there. You know, you're not just going to do multiple takes when you have film. You got to right. really make sure what you record is what you're going to use. <laughs> so it taught me a lot. Yeah, totally. I think that's a good practice. Like shooting on film is both the good practice for filmmakers and just like photographers. If you want to get better at either of those, exploring right. film, I think is a great way to do that. Um, yeah. So I, I really want to dive into like growing up in Memphis because I grew up just south of Memphis in North Mississippi, just two counties down. My mom's from Memphis. My grandparents lived there. So I grew up going there my whole life. <laughs> Actually, the way I got into Indy Memphis was like in the hometowners, like shorts category, uh, like the yeah. non-competition category. But Tate County wasn't listed. So I emailed them and I was like, hey come on <laughs> like i've been going there my whole life it's technically it's yeah. like on wikipedia it's listed in the metro area and they let me do it but um I love it. Memphis, <laughs> yeah yeah i so i finagled my way into that but we were talking the other day about how memphis has such an interesting 
culture to it. And I mean, I like, like I said, I uh, grew up just south of Memphis, but I went to college um, in Georgia and now I'm living in New York. And I, I mean, everyone in my family has experienced this. Like you meet people and they have a lot of assumptions about the South and Memphis specifically. And a lot of them are not right. Like my brother and sister went to high school in North Carolina and people used to ask them, like, did we wear shoes where they came from? What? And are you yeah, serious? yeah. Like genuinely, genuine questions. And also, wow. did we only wear overalls? No way. Yo. <laughs> yeah. No. It's like. <laughs> We do have running water in Mississippi. Right, <laughs> right, right. That's crazy so, that people think that. Yeah, man. yeah. Like, wow. just people genuinely thought that stuff. But walk me through like what being a Memphian means to you, because I know that's something that is really important to you. Yeah, it is, man. And it's funny because, like, you know, so many like filmmakers, people in the entertainment business that come from Memphis, they always contemplate like leaving Memphis, right? But for me, it's like, you know, that, that day may come, I don't know. But as of right. right now, it's like, I love this place so much because it, it just has so much character. Like me mm -hmm. just walking downtown and just like people watching, you get stories. And that's been like yeah. my entire life. Like Memphis is just full of like so much culture, so much, so much story, so much like heartbreak, so much love, so much grit. It just has all of these things combined. And you can see it in all these different places that... You know, when I go visit other places, I just don't feel that, you know? Um, mm -hmm. I don't know. It's, it's hard to even put into words my love for Memphis. Um, and it's just so visually appealing. Like, you can go anywhere and you can find you, like, something that can just stand out on screen that I feel mm -hmm. like so many filmmakers should really just take advantage of, you know? Right. I also think some one of the appeals is that a lot of people don't know about it. You know, like, we've seen L.A. on film a million times we've seen new york on film a million times and of course you can't properly experience those places until you're there but like there's not a lot of stuff that's like about memphis you know right so exactly. it has this mystery like two audiences you know what i mean right and I'm, I, was, I was happy that bluff city law tried to like you know um put that more into like um a more global audience i'm glad they attempted that and i really hope like more shows come and do the same thing you know yeah, and they're starting to pick up the uh, the film industry in Mississippi as well. Like they just opened um, a I don't know what the correct term is. I guess like a chapter of the Mississippi Film Office in Natchez, and they're building like a stage there and that kind of stuff. So I mean, oh, nice. hopefully, yeah, hopefully we're at the start of seeing our respective homes like actually be more on the map for for that film type right, kind of stuff. Right. Did you hear about um, Women of the Movement? That that show they're yeah. filming down there, I think. Yeah. yeah. Like Daisy and like Will Smith. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and like I think Breaking News in Yuba yeah. County was also filmed there as well. Mm -hmm. Um yeah. so it's it's starting. I mean, just like everything in the South, it takes a long time to get right. where we need to be. So <laughs> but right. I think we're getting there. Also, another thing that I really want to pick your brain about is in a lot of these interviews that I read, like your work is um, you really focus on like the human condition and what that means, what it means to be yeah. a person and like what everyday people go through. And I think when it comes to those human stories, like Memphis really feels like the perfect place for that. Right. So like in your interactions with like family and friends, when you were growing up, when did your, I don't know if obsession is the right word, but obsession with 
demon condition like when did that become a part of your art oh man i would kind of say like it's always been there i've always been like kind of introspective not so right. much as in, like like i'm not a big talker i'm not someone who's gonna go mm. around and just like you know talk your ear off but i've always yeah. been very much i'm gonna stay quiet and just perceive and just take notice of things and i think since you know I'm like that and ever like been that like that since I was a kid. I've always just noticed little like even if it's like my aunt or like my grandma or my mom and how she would talk to my you know, like little things like that. Totally. I always just picked up small little things like that and that always intrigued me. Um like body language intrigues me. Um like nonverbal communication, like all that stuff has always very much intrigued me. And just knowing like why do people do why like what they do. And like for mm. a moment, like um, in high school, I got really deep into like philosophy. I got deep into like psychology and I still, I read those things like here and there. So mm. I don't know, just the like people intrigue me a lot. So that's why the human condition mm. really is something that I really um, love to talk about, something that I love to film. And I love mm -hmm. filmmakers who do that. Like Tarkovsky is one of, like, one of my favorite filmmakers because he's so great at like putting that on camera in a very abstract yeah. way. Like the mirror, that's one of the films, like I haven't seen anything like that in a while, you know? Mm. Um, that's like one of my favorites. So yeah, I'm always like looking for better ways and more ways to even tap into humans even more, you know? And tap into mm. myself even more. I think the more that a filmmaker or artist really can be more open and more introspective of themselves and knowing like their deepest darkest corners within themselves that's just going to help their art so much more you know mm -hmm. yeah absolutely so like you're, you're you're going to university of memphis and you're getting more serious about film you graduate what is going through your mind like what's your next step like how how do i become uh, a person that like my career is filmmaking it was scary a lot of anxiety for sure i remember sitting down freshman year of college with my guidance counselor and I told her like like she was trying to send me more like the news route like maybe like you should go this uh, way yeah that. yeah and like nothing's wrong with that I have friends that do that and they love right. it um I just knew I was like I want to be more in the movie world more in the commercial world and she was like you sure like is, is that really what you know like she was trying to like not tear my dreams down but just kind of give me more of a outlook of like maybe you can go this route maybe you know but no i always like wanted to go that uh that hollywood route but it was full of anxiety because you just don't know you just you make yeah. stuff and you just hope that maybe the right person can see it and i remember it was funny like i did this gopro challenge it was like jun junior year of college i think right and it was like skateboarding and we won, like me and my friend did it, Hussein, and we won like $500 for it, right? So I don't know what it was. I don't know if I spoke it into existence, but I was like, with this $500, we're going to make a short film and we're going to get it to South by Southwest. I, didn't, I wasn't even thinking about like Sundance or anything. I said South by Southwest. I don't know why that was like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but that yeah. was like the goal. So like, I wrote the script up and I, I got actors. It was people from the local theater at University of Memphis. And it totally went wrong. Like all the actors dropped out last minute. 
it was horrible <laughs> that you were at the point of the story where it's either like i get into to south by and my career takes off or it bombs <laughs> it was horrible man like it was uh, like one thing after another and yeah. i didn't know what to do because i spent this 500 lens rentals already because i assumed everybody was going to be down so um i had like a breakdown <laughs> for a minute I, <laughs> but my personality is always like um, you know, things happen and you just got to find a way over it. Right. Things happen for yeah. a reason. My mom always says that. So I just took that, like looked through, um, that situation with that lens. And I was, I told my friend, I was like, yo, cause we used to skateboard all the time. I was like, yo, you're, you're not that great at skateboarding. I said it like that. I didn't mean it like me, like in a mean <laughs> way. <laughs> right. I said that <laughs> and he was like, yeah, yeah. I was like, <laughs> is it possible that I can just like um like follow you this weekend and we just like make something like you know this could be yeah. like an inspirational story somehow something there like you love doing it you do it every day but somehow you're not good at like something like that and he was like sure yeah whatever so for three days it was like basically um him and me and I just like followed him everywhere uh, we got scenes. He went skateboarding and then I was like cool let's let's get you doing a voiceover you know like you know just. Say your thoughts. What do you think of skateboarding? What do you think of life? Like, my friend is like, he's super in tune with life and I love it, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so, like, yeah, just like, just talk about how does skateboarding relate to this, that, third. Like, a month later, we finished the film, but I think we missed the South by Southwest deadline. I think that was it. Mm -hmm. I didn't like look at it right or something. Like, something didn't come, you know, again, things are going wrong. But right. <laughs> I remember being in class. And I should have been paying attention to the teacher. I wasn't. Um, I was on my phone. And I saw that Sundance was having this Ignite program where like, you submit a short film. So I was like, cool. Maybe, like, maybe we can do this. So I submitted the film. We finished it. I put music to it. And like a month later, they were like, yeah, you've been selected. And that's when I was like, holy shit. Well, can I curse? I'm sorry. Holy you can, crap. You can. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's a holy crazy. shit moment. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It was. It was. Yeah, that was a crazy moment, man. Like, I uh, almost cried in there. I think oh. I did cry. I'm not going to lie. I, I would, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, like, that was junior going to senior year. And, like, ever since that, things just kind of, like, trickled here and there with, like, different opportunities. But that was that was amazing. That's really what kicked it off. On like, still think yeah. about it, I get chills. Yeah, man. So to explain to the audience what the Sundance Ignite Fellowship was, um, from what I read, it was like, uh, you know, a program to find the the most promising filmmakers from like, what was it, 16 to 24 age range, something like that? Yeah. 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 And only five were selected in the entire world? Yeah. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> <laughs> I man, if if I was you, I would tell every person I know that I did that. <laughs> Again, that's me being not a talker, so it's like no, I'm not going to. No, absolutely, <laughs> no. I <laughs> yeah, but that's just like a, what an amazing accomplishment, and I love that it's something that you just kind of like saw in class and was like, well, I guess I'll submit to that. So right. you you get into that, and you're still in college, which also blows my mind. Um, and, and so, like, does the trajectory just, like, skyrocket from there? Like, what what happens in the fellowship? Like, you know, take us. I'm probably going to sound like your grandmother. Tell me all about it. You know, <laughs> how was it? <laughs> I'm um, so proud no, of you. <laughs> it, it started out um, kind of rocky, like, kind of like, uh, 
I wouldn't say horrible, but I had never been on a plane before. Let's say that. So me going to Utah, first time on a plane was like a horrible experience. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so that was like, okay, let's see how this goes. But once I got there, it was beautiful. I got to meet really cool people that were already in the industry. Mm -hmm. And just to hear them talk and to hear them speak about the perils they still go through even when they've made it. You know, like people think, oh, you make it. Totally. Cool. It's solid. But no, they were still talking about how it's hard to get funding, how it's hard to get stuff made. And a little bit that's like depressing, but at the same time, that's just like motivates you more to be like, I have to be on it. I have to give it my all. And that's really what happened during like, I think it was like a week and a half trip of me being like, yo, when I get back, I have to be on it. I have to dedicate mm -hmm. everything I have, all my energy to this. And I'm just that type of person. Like anything I do, I'm trying to dedicate 110% to it, you know? So when I got back, I was like, I have to, like, what's next? What can I do? And luckily right. that was like, like Memphis started doing the Memphis Film Prize. So I was like, cool, let's do that. Let's like keep, let's keep perfecting this craft. Cause I knew I like, I don't know, maybe some people would get into the Sundance thing and think, oh, I've made it. I, I, I'm really good at my stuff. But me, I was like, no, these other folks, I feel like they're so, they're, they're like, they're really into something. They went to NYU. They went to like. Like LA already, like those film schools. So I was like, cool, they're great. How do I get on their level? Like, what are they watching? What are they doing? And I think once I got back, that's when my filmography of what I watch and the filmmakers that I studied really just took off. Hmm. Wow. So I'm glad you brought up the Memphis Film Prize because that's a perfect transition also to explain <laughs> to the audience. So the Memphis Film Prize is like a film competition based out of Memphis where the uh, selected film wins $10,000 and Louisiana has a version like this. I think probably other, other cities have like similar types of competitions, but you won the Memphis film prize for your short last day. So can you tell us about that short and how it was to submit to the competition? Oh man, it was, it was very, uh, it was great. I love that competition a lot and doing last day and winning with that, was a really awesome experience because that was a story again it was something that I, it was just about perceiving and just like listening to this lady talk about how do people know uh, let me tell them what the story is about basically yeah um, go for it yeah it's a father's last day with his daughter before he finds out if he's either convicted or not convicted to go to jail for a long period of time so we followed them as he's with his daughter as he's with his wife and uh, the audience doesn't know that this is what's going to happen but they get like this tone of mm -hmm. like Something's not right. Why is he, you know, treating like why is he talking to his daughter this way or his or or his wife? Um, and then at the end, we find out that he's going to court and he's been he's been prosecuted, right? And that kind of just sparked from me listening to a lady talk about how her um, father was like wrongly wrongly convicted and sent to prison. Mm. And just hearing that just made me think of like, yo, I wonder what, like, not knowing that that was your like father's last day like what if she didn't know that what if he spent his day with mm -hmm. her and they did all these things and she just didn't know so i think i wanted to make a film from that perspective of like what mm -hmm. you know what was that day like you know kind of like uh 25th hour like i love that movie by spike lee with edward norton you know so yeah yeah so do you often take because i'm we're in a second we're also going to talk about bonfire which i i got to watch and was really blown away by and i like how it blended like the documentary and you know narrative uh, aspects of it do you often get your ideas 
from your like uh, real life interactions with people and then expand upon those? Yes, I try to for sure. Um, I think it's just more genuine that way. So yeah, I, I think for a moment there, I would try to force stories, but now it's more, right. just like I said, just listening, perceiving, and just seeing what's around, seeing what people say in little words here and there, and then just start piecing together the story bit by bit. Mm -hmm. So whenever you win, how early after the Sundance Fellowship did you submit, like did you make and submit last day? Was it like immediately your next project? No, like that's funny. Um, I didn't win the film prize until it's, I think it was the third year. Yeah, third year. Okay. That the film prize happened because the first year that it happened, I did a film called Marcus. I submitted that. Mm -hmm. And then I remember, I vividly remember this. I was back in LA because Sundance was having the next fest. They invited, they invited us out for that. And I remember constantly checking my phone thinking, oh, like, did we win? Did we, you know, it came right, down to right. the wire and we didn't win. And I was like, so sad. Um, but at the same time, it's like, no, just stay. Like, it, it just motivates you for next year, right? So then I did another film, Grace, um, with Rosalind Ross. She's amazing. Came down, but we didn't get it, right? Um, mm -hmm. But not giving up. And then the next year was when I did Last Day, and I won. On the third time, third, third, third time's a charm. And then I won again the year after that. So I was like, cool. It, it was worth waiting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then after that, COVID. <laughs> yeah, ex exactly. Yeah. Just like the story for everybody. I feel right. like last year before COVID, everyone was like, I'm about to have this great year. And then everything changed, of course. But um, yeah. so you, you win the film prize for the first time. And then does that give you a sense of confidence of like, okay, I can now I have this money to like make the next thing. And now this is just further proving my like, skill to myself like how did how did that change your perspective i would say that yeah it gave it gave me a little more confidence but at the same time i knew it was a long way to go because this is a long journey you know filmmaking right. is a long long journey so i had confidence and i was like cool that validates me a little bit more just to keep going like to keep studying right. but i knew like i said i knew it was a long way to go but from there i was like cool what's next what, what else can we do you know right yeah right I think it's cool because it seems that like winning or losing, you're still going to have that. You're still going to have that idea of like, got to keep going, you know? Yeah. I think you have to, you have to have that drive. You, you can't be attached to the outcome. You know, you have to just live within what you love doing. And I got that from my friend. Like, you know, if he was attached to the outcome, he wouldn't be skateboarding to this day, but you know, he, mm -hmm. <laughs> but he just loves going out there, being on the board. And that's the same with filmmaking. I just love putting visuals up. Yeah. I'm not attached to the outcome. I like the phrase not attached to the outcome because I think a lot of people, when they think about their goals, they think about like an award. Like, of course, we would both love to get an Oscar. I right. will not turn down an Oscar. For sure. But <laughs> if we base our whole idea of success off of getting an Oscar and then we never get one, that's like, okay, well, it's never successful. Like, well, there's plenty of amazing films that have not gotten that level of like recognition and i think attaching your success to the outcome can invalidate the piece of art that you just made which like should be like that's the thing right you know like that's why we're all doing it is is to make that thing and connect with people and so i love that so much i also wonder if any of that drive comes from where you're from because 
there are people that grow up in LA that like their family has been working in the industry forever or same as New York, you know? Yeah. And, um, I'm not going to say that they haven't had like, you know, this, uh, imaginary person hasn't had their own hardships and stuff, but like, there's not, no one's coming flocking to Memphis right now to like find the next big filmmaker. So I feel like there's a little bit more of an uphill climb to like prove yourself and, you know, just both of us being from that part of the country, you know? No, yeah, for sure. I love that, though, in a way. You know, yeah. I don't want it to be easy. Like, yes, we all want to make it to the top of that mountain, but I don't want it to be easy. I want I want to have a story at the end of yeah. it. Like, like, oh, I just told you about the whole, like, you know, people dropping out at the last minute. I love those stories. That, that's, um, that's great. So I want to, like, at the end of this, when we're both, like, 60 or whatever, you know, we do this again. We both have stories. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. We'll be on, like, episode 5,000 of the podcast. <laughs> and we'll come back on. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to talk about Bonfire because that was um, the short of yours that I did get to watch. And I was really I'll, I'll put the link in the description of this episode to bonfire so when you're done uh listening or watching this episode you should absolutely go watch it it did this really interesting thing of like i said earlier blending this documentary style like talking head footage but also this narrative where there's like actors and it blends all of that so could you first like explain the idea behind bonfire and what it's about and then talk about why you chose to go about that story with the merging of these two genres. For sure. Um, it's really funny talking about Bonfire now, probably not in the moment, but it just sparked from a really bad breakup, like a relationship that just went mm. bad. And uh, I was really down in the dumps for a while, to be quite honest. I just didn't know what to do. I couldn't like think of anything but the relationship and how it went wrong, right? So that was on my mind 24-7. Mm. My friends got tired of me talking about it. So, I was, <laughs> yeah, and you know, you can only sit and watch 500 Days of Summer so much. So, <laughs> so I was like, I have to um, do something. So I told my friends, like, yo, let's, let's just, well, at first, before that, it started with me just asking my friends, like, what is love to you? And uh, they would just answer, like, mm-hmm. yo, give me this and that and that. And mm-hmm. then it sparked from, because I was in this weird state, just asking random people, like just be at a coffee shop and like, yo, what is love, mm. right? Without a camera, just like really just wanting to pick people's brains. And then from there, I was like, you know, let's just, let's just make a film. Let's just like film what I'm going through, but just add a story within it. So it was sort of a script, but it was so loose, right? Mm. It was very much influenced by like some Terrence Malick, like Knights of Cups. I can't even think of it, but it was very like inspired by like uh, Terrence Malick. So mm. I just rented like a camera for like so many weeks. Like it was horrible. I don't know. I spent too much money off of this breakup, but <laughs> 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 but um, yeah, we just like went and filmed a whole lot on VHS on 4k on like those mini like ronin cameras we went to the fair mm. and i had a great actress her name's jasmine who played my girlfriend in the uh in the film and i don't know it just like even our like um friendship just like it felt very realistic on camera like we have so many scenes that didn't even make it into it because it would have just been too long of a film but as that narrative was taking place I was like, yo, what if I just still go around and ask people, like, what is love? What if I get these candid interviews and, like, put them in there? 
and that's where that sparked and i was just i wanted to like make this like weird morph of um like narrative but also documentary style and just like put it together because i think that just makes it feel more authentic of what are people's thoughts about love what are people's thoughts about heartbreak what helps them get through heartbreak you know um and mm. listening to these people talk on camera was getting me through it at the same time so it was like mm. it was great and i knew that okay if it's helping me I know it will probably help somebody else who watches this, you know? Yeah, I I always love talking to filmmakers that have used, like, grief in their life to make, uh, to inspire a short or something, because I've done that a lot. You know, we've had a lot of, like, I've had a lot of family members pass, and that has, like, definitely inspired, like, a lot of short films, because it's such, you know, you were talking earlier that you have to look inward, you know, to to tell these stories, and I think that's, like, one of the most intimate ways you can do it and as much as it is like you're kind of opening your heart up to the world mm -hmm. as scary as that is i found that audiences really connect with it because so many people are going through it right you know what i mean yeah exactly. and there was a specific quote in bonfire from from one of the people that you interviewed and they said heartbreak is the human condition and i really like that because whenever you're in those pits, it can feel like you're the only one experiencing it and you're like alone in that scenario. But I'm so glad that you did the, the combination documentary um, and then like fiction narrative because it is a real story as much as like, you know, you had actors and like, like the scene in the car, like that is quote unquote fake because you like staged it. But like, those are real conversations that have been had all the time. Right. Exactly. Yeah, I, I I really really enjoyed Bonfire. So uh, again, if you're listening to this, the link will be in the description. I highly recommend you go check it out because I'm a big fan. Uh, I also want to jump to your work on the Memphis and Shelby County Film and TV Commission, which I was also blown away by that you were. I don't know if it was one of the youngest or the youngest member of that board at the age of 22. Yeah. <laughs> That was crazy, um, and it came unexpected. It opened a lot of, again, it opened a lot of doors and I got to meet like Lynn Stittler and she's super amazing. And just seeing yeah. like, how she works and just like picking her brain. Um, and just especially when like she was like in the middle of getting Blessed City Law to come here, which was like huge mm. for her. And that was like, right. like a year before I even came. And just seeing like what she had to do for that, how she had to constantly take trips to Nashville, how she had to constantly have all these uh, different meetings to get that to happen. And then talk about um, the money situations and things of that sort. And they're still trying to figure that out and get better incentives. I think that's like the key mm -hmm. that like what Memphis really needs. But yeah, right. it's like being part of that and being in that environment, again, just gives me another dynamic to filmmaking. Cause like, I love the creative side, but also seeing the business side of things is super important you know yeah yeah because it is a business and so you need to know how to how to raise those funds so can you can you explain what the film and tv commission is and like as a board member what your role was yeah with the film and tv um film and tv commission basically we meet maybe like uh like once or twice every like two or three months or so and we um basically come and we look at reports of things that were filmed in memphis and see like how they did um, what money, like where, where did the money go? How much money we have to spend for projects to come here? Um, we speak on like different incentives. And I really love how 
they have an open room where people can just come. Like, it's not just us board members mm-hmm. in there. People can just come and just ask questions and pose questions. And through that, that helps us determine, okay, what can we do to help with Memphis and, like, get more things here and what do filmmakers need? Like, even with COVID, I remember they um, created this system where, like, they would, like, give out money to, like, certain filmmakers who were in need, who were, like, because it was no jobs for a while, you know? So, right. yeah. yeah, so them doing that is super powerful. And me, I'm just, I wouldn't even say I have a big role in it. I'm just someone who, like, again, I'm there. When we had to vote on things, I talk to the other board members and we vote on, like, new board members to come in. We vote on who's the head of it, what we need to get passed, and things of that sort. But I'm by no means, like, a huge, like, oh, I'm calling shit around. <laughs> well, call it. <laughs> yeah yeah I exactly <laughs> You're like i got bluff city law right right it was me it was me man. <laughs> what a what a cool thing it's so exciting to hear like city officials quote unquote recognizing the power that film can bring to small communities because i mean that's why atlanta is what it is is because they realize like also the state legislators, but like they realize like, oh, if we offer these incentives, like it can really benefit the local economy. And now Atlanta is actually Jada Cardoza, the last episode of the podcast. She's editing at Marvel right now in Atlanta. Like what? so many no people I know are working at Marvel. Yeah. Yeah. She's it. an assistant editor at Marvel. And um, shout out to the sound editor of this podcast, Clea Cullen. She is uh, also working on Marvel as like a set dressing PA. Oh my so, gosh, yo. In Atlanta as well. Yeah, right. so <laughs> shout out to them. <laughs> but it's it's really exciting to hear. So I posted on the Tungsten Originals uh, Instagram story. Um, if you're not following us, you absolutely should. Posted a picture of you and said like, we're interviewing Kevin, you know, what questions would you like to ask? And we had um, a question that, I would really love to run by you. So Nicole, friend of the show and actually director of Lighthouse Keeping, which is a short, um, which is a Tungsten original, she uh, wanted to get some tips from you on getting into some bigger festivals. You know, we we take like distribution classes in film school and that kind of stuff. But those big festivals, it's it kind of seems like this faraway place that like only the big dogs get into. So with your experience at Sundance, what have you learned about distributing your shorts through festivals i would say like, that's such a tough question because it's like even yeah totally you can have like one of the best films in this they still don't pick it up you know it's really weird yeah how yeah festivals work i know for like what they were talking about when i went to visit they were just saying like to avoid the later deadlines like you don't want to be like mm-hmm. you know they have the late deadlines and then no it's like no you even if it's like a right cut, like if you're dealing with a feature even if it's a rough cut like send it in like the early deadline so they can watch it and tell them that it's a rough cut tell them what you still working on and that just helps them like keep you in like if they love the film they're gonna be like yeah just you know finish it but leave right. it in there um in the back of their mind you know and also right not become fr- like I, I don't like kiss up not kiss ups but you know how some people like uh try too totally. hard like overly impressed but they were just talking about like get to know who the film festival organizers are the people who are going to be watching the film maybe you can even email right. them like, you know say who you are say what you do say where you're from and actually like tell the story of where the film came from like a lot so many mm. people they were saying just submit the film and that's it all right but right to connect, right. you want to tell them, like, where did the idea come from? Like, what inspires you daily? What what made you want to make, you know, things like that. 
so they can put a totally. to the film. So those are just some of the tips they gave us. Mm-hmm. But still, it's, it's still a hard world to even navigate getting into that, you know? Yeah, because even if you have a great drama, like maybe it's just too long or like maybe they had a similar drama the year before. So like even though it's it's amazing, they like may not want to right. accept it because it like they have this all this other programming to think about. So yeah, it's definitely a, a layered question. But I, I think the idea of just like making that doing that cold email is really smart because I've also, I've gotten discount codes to festivals like that. Just like, Hey, I'm a Southern filmmaker. I filmed this entirely in Mississippi. Just wanted to see what that would get me. And they're like, Oh yeah, here's 10% off or something. So even in that like more tangible, like financial aspects like that can, that can totally help. And you were right about the time, like with short films, don't go too long. They always say that, you know, don't make a 30 minute short. Yeah, exactly. Block it, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. If it's 30 minutes, it better be like the best short in the world. (laughs) (laughs) So good. Oh, so here's some advice. Just make the best short in the world and then your life will be much easier. (laughs) And that's the episode. (laughs) Again, I I read a lot of interviews um, with you in doing research for this. And, you know, you talked a lot about how Hollywood is changing in the type of stories that, you know, that it's telling and the type of stories that like audiences are getting used to. You specifically talked about Moonlight being the first feature to win best picture with an all black cast. Mm-hmm. I'm really hopeful that Minari, which is an A24 film that I haven't seen it yet. I'm going to, it but it looks it. amazing. <laughs> it looks so good. Yeah. I really want to see it. I'm hoping Minari gets some like recognition as mm-hmm. well um, because the Oscars were like right around the corner. So, you know, that interview where you were talking about, things changing that was from a couple of years ago in this time do you think we are still moving in the positive direction or do you think we've faced some setbacks i honestly i think we're moving in a positive direction i think there's still some setbacks here and there but that's going to happen i mean that's any type of climate we're going to be in it's always going to be those little small uh, pitfalls but for the most part I, i really do think we're moving in a positive direction like even seeing like parasite win you know, uh, movie, right. right. Like yeah, like exactly. That. Yeah. I'm like, yes. I love where this is going. And I haven't seen Minari, but like you said, like, I hope that gets attention as well. So I really love the, the way that, um, things are changing and like what's getting made and the TV shows and the series that Amazon prime is putting out Netflix, you know, Hulu, like it's like everyone yeah. is starting to catch on to, there can be diverse voices, you know, like not everybody wants to see the right. same thing. You know, everyone has, they're exactly. different styles of what they want to like um intake so i really love the climate that we're um, mm-hmm. in right now yeah absolutely i think that is a good way to loop into my next question um you had a really fantastic quote in this interview that you did with choose 901 and i want to read it right now and pick your brain about it because i think it perfectly encapsulates like who you are as a filmmaker and it also reminds me a lot of like what we're trying to do with tungsten so you said the way that i see it we're all in this cave and we're all just trying to make it out all of us artists we're trying to see the light at the end of the tunnel so if you make it out of that tunnel which i have not done yet and you see the light then the key is to make a manual and head it hand it off to your friends so they can come out also i love the idea of i mean it reminds me of um now I'm blanking on it. Shawshank Redemption, where he's climbing through the... (laughs) Wow, I'm a terrible filmmaker for getting that that title. (laughs) Where he's like climbing through the tunnel and everything, trying to get out. Can you expand on that a little bit? Because I think that is the absolute 
perfect attitude to have? Um, I mean, I feel like you hear so many stories and there's so many egos out there to where yeah, people get to a certain place in life, a certain, you know, they get a certain accolade and they just tend to forget. They, right. they say, they're like, cool, I made it, forget it. I made it out. They put the dirt into the tunnel and no one else can get out. And they're like, cool, as long as I right. made it, I'm great. But I feel like that's just not the way to do it. And that's not the, like, like even if it's not filmed, like no matter what you do, this is not the way humans should treat right. each other, right? We should be able to like, okay, yeah. we made it out. Here's the tools. Here's what, I, here's what helped me. And now I can help you. Now I can't go back into the tunnel, but I can give you all the tools. I can be there, like whatever you need to help you come out as well, you know? So I feel like that, mm -hmm. I feel like that's just key to like, just life. Like we just have to be able to do that. We have to yeah. be able to make it out and then look back to the next man or woman and say, okay, here's my hand. Let's go. Let's keep put like, let's keep. Right. Yeah. And I also think, you know, we were talking earlier about advice on like, you know, reaching out to festivals and stuff. I think this also loops into the advice of just like, just reach out to a filmmaker and ask them like, Hey, can I set up like a five minute zoom call and just like ask you some questions? Like I found this New York based, uh, production company, found one of the producers messaged them on LinkedIn. And I was just like, Hey, I would just love to pick your brain. And they, and they immediately responded a few minutes later and was, and was like, yeah, here's my email. And it's like, wow. Like, those are busy people, but right. when you don't come at them from the point of like, I want connections out of you or networking out of you or a job opportunity, like I want knowledge, yeah. then I think people are way more open to to talk about those things. Oh, so, yeah. And we live in a world of social media. I feel like we should all be taking chances. You know, like, yeah. it's a different world we live in now. So we should all be taking chances and just reaching out. Like it can't hurt. Like you can get a no, but what is a no? Like what does that mean? Nothing. Just keep... You know, somebody's going to exactly. say yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, uh, you know, you are 27 now. Oh, my You've had gosh. Quite that. the career. Don't say that. Oh, my back hurts and like, oh, my gosh, man. You don't understand. <laughs> I know. I saw your, your Instagram post where it was like, I'm 20, I've am twenty. i been 27 for three days and I've been watching CNBC all day. Crazy, <laughs> life right <laughs> you know you've, you've come a long yeah. way since 1993 when you saw the matrix and started recreating some of those scenes what if you could tell yourself one piece of advice like that person who was sitting in that class on their phone not paying attention and just started like decided to apply to that sentence thing on a whim if you could tell yourself one piece of advice what would it be oh i would say and i have this tatted actually enjoy the journey man because it's gonna be a journey like like this life relationships um film everything it's gonna be a journey and you gotta enjoy the ups and the downs man you just can't, you can't be complacent you just mm -hmm. have to take every day as it comes and just keep moving forward enjoy it because mm -hmm. i think even to this day you know we i feel like we both feel like this sometimes it's kind of like oh man i'm not where i want to be just yet so it's like you get down a little bit think of totally. those things but if you just enjoy the journey and you just know, like, yeah, just keep going. And at the end of this journey, you know, you, you'll have a story to tell at the end of the day. Whether this happened or it didn't happen, but you have a story to tell. Right. I, I, I've thought a lot recently about um, the idea of, like, remember the fact that you are now where you wish you were a year ago or something. You know, because, like, we, at least I should, 
I speak for myself. I'm constantly like looking forward, like what's the next thing? What's the next thing? Like sure. yeah. with tungsten a lot, like, you know, we're working on a lot of projects, like where can we, how can we be doing what better with this? Like, what are these new ideas that we can do that it feels that I, I'm still not achieving things. But then I have to remember like a year ago, I kept on thinking to myself, man, I just want to be in New York working on tungsten stuff. And it's like, oh, well, here I am in New York working on tungsten stuff. So like, right. I think it's good to have those check-ins with yourself of like, oh, I've actually, I've actually come a long way. Right. So I totally agree with that. Yeah, of course. Man. So, you know, looking ahead, what do you see as like your future? Not necessarily like your five-year plan or whatever, but like what, um, you know, I know you're about to go on a shoot right now, actually. What projects are you working on and where do you, where do you hope to end up in the near future? I really want to go into the commercial world for one thing. Um, I want to get into that. I really love the idea of telling a story within like 30, 30 to 45 seconds, you know? That's really intriguing right. to me because that really like just sharpens your um, tool set just for telling stories when it comes to longer things like movies. Um, but that's like my ultimate goal is to do a feature film. Um, I would love to do it this year. I'm not mm -hmm. going to jinx it because I said that last year and we know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'm just going to, again, take every day as it comes. Um, that's what COVID taught me. Um, but um, yeah, I would love to do a feature film. Um, and I have a couple scripts written and I have something that's kind of in the vein of like Bonfire, but not about love, but it kind of deals with that mixing things together, um, different um, mm -hmm. like narrative documentary and just mixing different video formats um, and posing a question, but it wouldn't be about love though. Yeah, I, I, I'm doing this like docu-series with, um, it's like Kellogg's and um, Nike for Black Girls Run um, in a couple weeks and doing stuff like that, like traveling, get to travel like different places and just um, again, hear people's stories. That's, that's really just what I want to do. That's my next like five year plan. But like I said, I really want to do a feature. I've been mm -hmm. wanting to do one since I was a kid. So if I can knock that out and it could be, you know, something that people really connect to, that would be great. Mm -hmm. I, I'm really glad. I mean, you know, for those who don't know, we tried to record this two nights ago and we had as many technical difficulties as anyone <laughs> in the world can have. So we had to reschedule for now. But this is actually, uh, I think, a cool time to do this because in in a couple of minutes you're about to have to head to this to the shoot for this music video that you're working on um so could you tell us a little bit about the music video yeah um the music video basically is for this artist taliba safia and she's kind of like in the vein of i don't know if your listeners listen to like ari lennox or like a erica badu right and um it's we're filming that within like a church and it's very again i'm really inspired by like a like terrence malick a lot by like Tarkovsky, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson. But uh, with this, it's like very like wide mm -hmm. angle lenses. And we just want to kind of give the idea of, because like, her song is about being balanced. Her song is about being um, 10 toes down to the ground, like not being too airy, not being too like uh, worried about what's going on around, but being really centered. So um, with this uh, story, we really just wanted to make something that feels very like, have you, I don't know, have you seen Healing Creek? I did a video for her a while. Okay, I'll send so. a link to that. But I did video, a video um, yeah, with her do. like a while back when she was on tour. This was before COVID. Um, and we shot that in New York and we shot that in Philadelphia. So mm -hmm. um, she's very about that centeredness. And we did that in nature, but this one we want to do more within like a different element, 
Like we're not really going back to nature. We're doing this in church mm -hmm. and it's like a torn down church, but it's beautiful. It's like, again, with Memphis having mm -hmm. this texture. So it's like a torn down church, but it's just beautiful how, cause it got burned down a long time ago. So you can still see the streaks like within the walls, but it looks great on camera. And I'm just really excited like for us to do this and people to see what this film, I mean not film, but this music video um, looks like and it can connect with people. Cause her last song, Healing Creek, connected with people and that song was about healing and people needed to hear that um so yeah she just she's such a great mm -hmm. artist yeah so whenever you're um in the final hours like before you go to a shoot what's going through your head kind of like what i just said just trying to stay centered like not trying to be yeah. um too everywhere just be more in my head right now and just focus on cool what what am i trying to get across to the audience it's not about me it's about serving the artist and it's mm -hmm. about serving the audience if i can do those two things i've done my job well i think that is a perfect <laughs> note to end on thank you again for you know taking the time to sit down and talk with us um i think people are gonna really love uh what you had to say and like you said i'd love to sit down when we're both 60 or maybe sooner maybe right. maybe a couple years from now before we're 60 right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh you know see see how far you've come because i mean you know, you, you, you've achieved so many great things and, but more importantly, told so many great stories and, um, connected with a lot of people that I am only looking forward to, um, your future. And, you know, when it comes to that future, if you ever need any help, I'd love to PA whatever you need. <laughs> I'll be there. I want to be a part Definitely. of it. Um, so, well, you know, same I here, just, man. I, same I think here. I'd love to work with you in some capacity. Yeah. So thank you, man. Yeah, it'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, so thanks again, everyone, for listening. The next episode will come out a week from today. Be sure to check out Tungsten Originals on all of our social medias. Um, and also, if you're listening to this, you can check out the YouTube video on our YouTube channel where you can see um, some behind-the-scenes footage of uh, Kevin's work and some other footage and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, be sure to check out all that stuff. And, Kevin, thank you again. I really appreciate it. You have a good one.